We do the um, ICU on Sundays right after church, and that's a piece of cake because it's just a circle, as you know. That's Chaplain Timothy Burdick of Banner Baywood Medical Center in Banner Heart Hospital in Mesa, Arizona, talking about how he navigates around the hospitals when he visits patients. Timothy and his wife, Stephanie, are both chaplains who visit patients every Sunday. Their message of prayer is non-denominational. So when a patient or nurse calls for a chaplain, the couple doesn't ask religion. They just say, we're on our way. Walking closely together, the couple carefully navigate the intensive care unit to say prayers, share comforting words, and offer inspiration to people in critical conditions. Sometimes, those patients don't even realize they've just held hands with two people who've learned to embrace life through a hardship of their own. Both Timothy and Stephanie have been blind since they were infants. You know, most people would be afraid to walk the halls or to say, you know, what's going on or where do I go? And Timothy and Stephanie don't feel that way. They will go anywhere they are asked to go, and I'm encouraged by them. I truly am. They really give me courage to say, you know, there before the grace of God go I. You know, I may have a bum leg, but eventually a bum leg can get better. Um, They see more blind than I see with sight. That's Chaplain Teresa Salem talking about this very special married couple. This is Banner Health Storytelling Podcast, Bedside Stories, highlighting some of the most emotionally compelling experiences that take place behind the scenes in healthcare. Today, we bring you Episode 8, Moving the Curtain. The Burdicks have been visiting patients together at the hospitals for more than six months. Timothy's actually been serving as a chaplain on the medical campus since 2010. Stephanie started out as a volunteer about five years ago, playing piano in the Banner Heart Hospital lobby a few days a week. She has a paralyzed vocal cord, which gives her voice a breathy quality, so she didn't sing while she played. But she enjoyed providing soothing music to help people during a highly stressful time in their lives. Both chaplains were born premature. Since their lungs weren't well developed, they were given extra oxygen to survive. In the process, both lost their vision. The Burdicks met at the local Lions Club, a nonprofit group that raises money for worthy causes. A mutual friend of theirs played matchmaker. He would get us um, get us together every week, lead us to the same uh, table, and we just got to talking, and we realized we had a lot in common. And uh, uh, our first get together outside the club was a Halloween carnival, mm-hmm. and after that. Uh, Timothy invited me to go out to the Olive Garden for dinner, and uh, the rest was history. Timothy recalls one of their early dates that started out rough, but ultimately brought them closer together. One day, I had called up this place. I wanted to impress Stephanie, and Mm -hmm. so I found this place that they said they had live music on the weekend, and it was supposed to be really great, and I thought, well, I'll take Stephanie to that. She'd like it. We got there. It was closed, (laughs) and um, it was an industrial, in an industrial park, and... uh, there wasn't any other restaurants around that we knew, but we finally found one. And um, we sat there for 20 minutes. Then we found out it was self-service. Timothy figured it would be easier to call the Mexican restaurant on the phone than to walk around with his cane trying to find a server. 
It turns out there was too much of a language barrier to resolve the issue, so Timothy called a cab. That didn't go well either, since it was Super Bowl Sunday. Finally, much later, they ended up at a Denny's. And I don't remember what I said to Stephanie, but I started crying because I had just been through a lot of grief. And I was doing a lot of self-recrimination and all that stuff, if I had done this, if I had done that. And uh, I re- she got things out of me that no other counselor or anybody could get out of me. And I knew this was the girl for me. And so the worst date turned out to be the best date. <laughs> They've been married for five years, and you can definitely tell they are one another's best friend. They've had all sorts of fun adventures. Like the time Tim surprised Stephanie with a trip to a horse ranch on their anniversary, and she got to hold a giant turkey. That's one of her favorite photos. Stephanie's always smiling in her photos, by the way, and I can't wait for her to share with you how she enjoys pictures in spite of being blind. We'll get to that in a bit. But one of the most rewarding things they do together is visit patients. Their visits range from a few minutes to much longer, depending on the person's needs. The Burdicks even hand out little cards with their personal cell number, encouraging patients to call if they need the chaplains for any reason. Usually I'll be the one walking along the wall and uh, reading the braille room numbers and everything. And uh, the more we've gone around the ICU, the easier it gets. The ICU is kind of a, I think it's either a circle or an oval, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a circle. Mm -hmm. And there's always a room and then there's always a nurse's station right after that that we have to kind of take a little jog to the left to get around and then the next room. So we look for room numbers and landmarks. Maybe nurses are clicking away with their computer mice or talking on the phone or something, making sounds so that we can uh, take a jog around them too. What is, uh, what is the easiest part of what you, the two of you do here at the, uh, at the hospital? being chaplains together. Is there anything easy about it? Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. (laughs) It's getting a little easier every time, I think. I think my favorite part is seeing prayers for people, just because it's it's very comforting to lift people, lift people up to God and lift their needs up to God. Timothy said every once in a while, patients assume he and Stephanie have found the wrong room when they first walk in with their support cane. Sometimes he wears a chaplain's collar to help make his role clear. Occasionally, though, patients never even realize the couple can't see. It's fascinating, really, to learn the little nuances that verdicts have to take into consideration that many of us would never need to think about. Like, they can't always quickly determine the gender of a patient when they come in to greet them. So they'll ask, how's our patient today, avoiding gender pronouns until they're sure. It's even harder when a patient is intubated and can't talk. It's a one-way conversation with fewer audio cues to help determine the person's location. I've learned uh, a lot of things about the rooms, and um, I, I want to be careful because uh, of, you know, the equipment, obviously, and um, sometimes reaching out and just taking the patient's hand or whatever uh, can be challenging. Imagine you're a blind chaplain trying to take the hand of an elderly woman who's holding out her arm to you for comfort. You're in an ICU room where she's hooked up to monitors and even on life support. And you have to very gently navigate this physical space to be there in a way that meets her spiritual needs while making sure you're not interfering with her treatment. 
Timothy says it took a while to learn just how to do this. He admits to feeling some frustrations at first, especially if a nurse might tell him something he could easily feel around and discover for himself. The example he used is that someone might say, there's a curtain to your left, just as he was reaching out and already in the process of finding it. Is it that family or, or nurses are trying to warn you that it's there to be careful and you, you're well aware of it and the frustration is just knowing, okay, you know, I understand how these rooms are laid Sometimes out. that or sometimes when you're feeling um, and getting the edge and sliding it back, they go, it's over here. And I, yeah, I know, that's mm. where I'm going. See, I used to think when somebody told me something like that, you know, I thought, well, just because I can't see, I'm not a moron. But I, but when I was working with David, he taught me, it's not that somebody's looking down and t- talking to you like you don't have a brain. It's just that they want to help. And I go, oh, that was a new revelation to me. I mean, it might sound stupid, but I always thought that people were kind of looking down and saying, you know, just because you can't see, you know, you're, you're dumb. Something about this story, this particular example, really stuck with me after I talked with the Burdicks. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but there's something so refreshingly honest and profoundly human about awkward moments like Timothy's describing. Here are several good-natured people in a room trying to help one another, and yet, regardless, Moving aside a curtain to bring everyone closer together still requires some delicacy and understanding on everyone's part. Anyway, the David that Timothy mentioned a moment ago is Chaplain David Yanez, who Timothy credits for helping him to have more patience with himself and with others in times like these. So, I mean, you're making a difference in the lives of patients that you're interacting with, but in the process, it's also changing you as well. Yeah, they're making a difference in my life. Yeah. I noticed differences in ways the Burdicks use their senses to orient themselves with their surroundings. Stephanie seems to rely on her sense of touch a bit more often, for example. When we sat down to talk, she gradually felt around to get a better idea of how big the table was, the size and location of the microphone, that kind of stuff. When we move into a new house or something, we need to kind of walk around and feel around where different things are. In order to get to know the place, that can take a couple weeks. We don't like to move things around. We like to keep them in one place so that we know where everything is. It's kind of tough when when somebody moves things out of your way and doesn't tell you. Stephanie also uses echolocation to better sense her surroundings. Fans of superhero movies might recognize that term as one of Daredevil's special powers, but it's actually a real-life ability. I can use the sounds of things mm-hmm. to orient me to a room If you're sitting close to a wall or close to a person, I can kind of hear the sound waves bouncing off of that wall or that person, kind of a sound wave reflection. Mm -hmm. I can't really put it much more into words than that. She collects figurines, especially Disney figures, with details that are easy to identify by touch, like animals or flowers, to give her a tactile idea of what the characters look like. I should have brought uh, one of my favorite pieces of jewelry is a necklace that Timothy gave me on Valentine's Day just about a couple of months before we got engaged. It's a stone heart in a metal frame. One of Tim's patients was a jeweler and he actually made that heart and gave it to him. Wow. And Tim got it engraved 
On the back of the metal frame that the stone heart is set into, it says, With all my love, Tim. The Burdicks have talking phones and use a really interesting app designed for blind and visually impaired users. You can take a picture or video of anything, then ask the app to identify it out loud for you within seconds. This allows the Burdicks to take photos just like anyone else and enjoy revisiting their picture albums whenever they'd like. It's really neat. Tim likes to use it to read food cans or signs or the labels on uh, food boxes or product boxes, but I like to just, I could just take a picture of, uh, like there's one time I took a picture of a woman at a, sitting at her desk, and the description came back, it said, woman wearing apron staring skeptically at camera. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what the heck are you doing? That's That's great. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I don't describe facial expressions or... What they're, the colors of clothing that they're wearing. <laughs> but that one's my favorite. That's oh, really funny. That's really great. You're like, I just want to know what's going on around me. <laughs> that is great. Oh, my gosh. One time I took a, I was at a Mexican restaurant, and I put some, I stuck a corn chip in my mouth, and I took a picture, and it said, woman with corn chips in her mouth. <laughs> Oh, they could actually tell? Yeah, I could tell. (laughs) That's some impressive technology. So I like to kind of put them to the test sometimes. So your phone is just a lot of random photos is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's got like (laughs) 7,000-something photos because I take so many. The Burdicks have a lot of fun in these lighthearted moments. That helps a lot in balancing some of the tougher situations they may deal with each week during their chaplain visits. There have been people that, of course, have have died and I've had to talk to their family members. And I think it just that just got me to think more about death in a non-morbid way in the sense that seeing how fragile life is. And um, I, try, I try to think through it and I tell people to, I try to think about a constructive way to talk to people after they knew their loved one had just died. And I try and tell them, um, think about something your loved one really liked to do. What, what, was one of their, what was one of their favorite things? And I said, maybe you can learn to do that and leave a legacy to them. Mm-hmm. And it gets them to think about in a positive way. I'm the more emotional one, like I said earlier. That's like, as I said, I think that's the more difficult part that I've had to think about. But uh, God is with us and Tim is with me. I really don't mind the blindness if, um, if it helps uh, somebody else. And I don't mean that just um, so I sound, you know, you know uh, um, a lot of syrupy stuff or whatever. Um, I, but I really mean it in the sense that it opens the conversation and people can uh, really um, deal with what they have to deal with. I think that the blindness helps in the sense that when you go into a room and they feel like, you know, they, it's the world against them, they can see, oh, there's other people with challenges. 
For Banner Health, I'm Corey Schubert, and this is Bedside Stories. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a quick review. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Bedside Stories is written and produced by Corey Schubert. Production support is provided by Lauren Pettit, Eric Joe LaFuente, David Lozano, Charles Kelhoffer, Ralph Lopez, and Jen Woods. For more information about Banner Health and to become a volunteer, visit us online at bannerhealth.com.